My name is Joel Daly, and I'm the lead pastor here at the West Haven campus, if we haven't been able to meet yet. And we are just so excited that you're all here to worship and to focus on Jesus with us this morning. And we're, uh, we're in this great series through Galatians. But before we get into that, I want to uh, just forward the slide to our Fusion Sunday morning. Uh, if you're in 7th to 12th grade, they meet over here in room 2 during the first service. And so uh, if, if that pertains to you right now, you can head over there. And also, as uh, Fred mentioned, be sure to, to, Summerfest is one of the best times to grow in your faith, in your relationship with Jesus, if you're, if you're in that age group. So I really encourage you, if that applies to you, to, to think about going to that. Well, like I said, we are in this series through the book of Galatians, and, and we've, we've taken this, uh, this book, this letter that Paul wrote, and we, uh, I need to silence my phone. Sorry. Uh, we have been going through it chapter by chapter for the last six weeks and pulling out the key truths of what Paul is telling the church, but also he's telling us because the church 2,000 years ago is just like the church today the, because we serve a God, we worship a God who never changes. And so uh, these key principles that we've drawn out have really helped us to maybe have a clearer picture of who we are and what our response should be to God. And I want to just start before we get into this by asking you a question. I like asking questions to kind of get you thinking. Is there something that you've ever seen, like in your life, maybe it was a person or it was a thing that was just radically transformed? Like you couldn't tell uh, after this thing was transformed that it was maybe even the same thing. So for me, Uh, my wife and I, we lived in Washington Terrace, and right before we moved out here to Roy, uh, our neighbor got selected for Extreme Makeover Home Edition. Okay, I don't know if, does anyone watch that anymore? I know it used to, yeah, okay, there we go. Um, HGTV, I feel like, is, is, if I had to put one word to that channel, it's transformation, right? They're just about taking things, transforming them into something different. But we had a firsthand look at this incredible seven-day transformation. They shut down the whole neighborhood. They brought in all these crews, hundreds of people to help out. They, they, they level this house, and they just make it brand new. It's the same plot of land, the same views, but it's like this brand new, beautiful house. And it's just incredible how this house that was 75, 78 years old is now this gorgeous house. And, and it was a win-win because it raised the curb appeal so that when we sold our house, it was like, you can live next door to that house, right? Our house didn't look too good next to it, though. Um, but, but this is really what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about the transformation into the new creation when we trust in Christ. So the first four chapters of Galatians really is, they were focused on the one gospel, that, that first week really laid the foundation for the next four chapters, and it's Jesus plus nothing. Some people's wearing that shirt in here. I won't make you stand up if you're wearing it, um, but uh, that Jesus plus nothing. That's what Paul comes and says, no, the Judaizers, they're telling you that you have to add all these other things to salvation, but it's just Jesus plus nothing. That's it. And then last week in chapter 5, we look at kind of more or less what happens after we trust in the one true gospel. We're given freedom from the law, freedom to live in the spirit and not be bound anymore to uh, this law that that just brought about burdens and, and condemnation and judgment 
upon ourselves. And today we're going to kind of look more into what this transformation looks like when we choose to follow Christ in our lives. And before we do that, though, I want to show you this picture because this is, this is really our um, mission at Alpine Church to help people pursue God. And what does pursuing God means? Well, it starts by trusting Jesus. It starts with Jesus. Jesus plus nothing. That's it. And then after that, we live to honor God. So this is kind of our response to trusting Jesus is that we will honor God in our lives. Now, I always say this, but it's key that we get this correct. Because if we start with honoring God... That's Jesus plus works. That's legalism. Many of you may have been burned by churches uh, when you were growing up who said you had to have it all together. You have to look a certain way before you can belong. But at Alpine Church, you can, you can come and belong before you believe. And we genuinely believe that. We believe that for everyone. Because we understand that it's, it, it's not about what you look like or what you do when it comes to salvation. It's just the cross of Christ that we're saved. But see, this idea that God doesn't care about the way that we live, like a lot of people say that, well, I'm saved so I can go do whatever I want. Well, you don't really, I think, understand then the gospel of this free gift of grace by faith. Because we want to live, we strive to live to honor God. And the Bible says, and Paul says in Galatians, that our lives will be transformed. We will be made into new creations. So if you have your Bibles, open it up to uh, Galatians chapter 6, either on your Bible app or on your, uh, on your physical Bible. If you have this Bible that we have, it's on page 730. And uh, we're going we're gonna to dig deep into this. But before we do that, I just want to pray one time for us. So let's pray together. God, I pray this morning, Lord, that we would have a clear picture of who you are, God, a clear picture of who we are. And as we look to your word, God, that it would be your truths that would come through, God, and that you would just speak to each one of us the way that we need to be spoken to, Lord. We know that we're all in a different place in life. We're all on a different journey, God, but we know that you're with us wherever we're at in our pursuit of you. And so, God, give us that grace. Remind us of that grace, Lord. Help us to see what it looks like to truly honor you after we've trusted in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this is the first thing. This transformation when we trust in Jesus is relational. True believers gently and humbly help people when they fall into sin. Is there anything that's harder in this world than maintaining good, healthy relationships? Especially in 2020, that was so divided, well, 2021 too, who am I kidding? That's so divided, right? Everyone is so on edge. Relationships have taken a, a big hit, okay, as a society. But sadly, even within the church, I think relationships have taken a big hit. So this is how Paul starts this last chapter of Galatians 6. He paints this beautiful picture of how the church should look and operate when we're following after Christ. And he says this, Galatians 6, 1, 1 and 2. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. 
And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. So this is good. There's, there's a lot to unpack here, right? So, so he, first, he, he first says, if someone is overcome by a sin... Now, I think we need to define sin because this is a churchy word we use all the time. It's a sin. You know, you hear that everywhere. What does that actually mean? Well, this is interesting because there's actually a few different meanings of the word sin. When we see it in English, there's different Greek words that can mean different types of sin. So some sin means missing the mark. Some sin means blatant disobedience toward God. This sin actually means a lapse or a deviation in judgment. A lapse or a deviation in judgment. And so what Paul is saying is, is if another believer is overcome, deviates, has a lap in judgment, you who are godly should gently and humbly help this person out. First thing, I'm speaking to the Christian here, do not call someone who is not a Christian out on their sin. So often we do that. We hold everyone to this same standard that we have for ourselves. We're like, why can't that person, you know, wise up or be better? Well, if they haven't followed after Christ, they don't have the Holy Spirit. We're on a different plane. We're in a different place than those people. And I would say, if you do that to other people, you are sinning. If you hold people who don't profess faith in Christ to the same standard as someone who has faith in Christ, that is a sin, okay? So this is speaking specifically Christian to Christian. Second, this lapse or deviation in judgment. So this can be, um, this I think can be accidental. It can be willful. You know, you can go and you can sin and you can, you can say, you know what, I, I'm just gonna do whatever I want, God. I don't care about what you say. But, but sometimes we, we don't maybe see the sin in our lives that other people can see. And so that's why he's saying, if you see this, if someone is overcome by this, they may not even recognize it themselves, but you who are godly should gently and humbly help them. And the third thing, and this is what we all need to hear, it doesn't say, you know, if you feel like having that conversation with that person, go and do it. But if not, it's fine, right? It, it doesn't say that. It, it says, you should go do this. It, who, who wants to go call someone out on, on their sin, right? Like, no, no one wants to do that. And if you do want to do that, um, come talk to me afterwards, please. Um, and we'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk and pray through some things, okay, in your life. Um, it's not fun, it's not fun coming to a person and saying, hey, I, I'm seeing this in your life, and I just, I, I, I want to share this with you because I love you. You know, that's not easy. Some people do it in a, in a much more rude way than that, right? And that, obviously, this is why people don't like church, honestly, because people go out and they, they just, they're holier than thou, and they're just telling everyone how they should live because they're perfect, but this is the most important thing, and this whole, this whole idea is this, gently and humbly. We should, we should do this with a spirit of gentleness and humility. And what does that look like? Well, I think Jesus told us what it looked like in Luke 6.42. He said, how can you think of saying, friend, 
Let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye. Hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. This is so good. This is so good. This is the words of Jesus. You know, I think I've told you this before, but, but I'm the perfect driver. <laughs> like seriously, like when I'm on the road, it's just everything that I'm doing is correct. Okay, just know that. So when I'm driving, and, and, and maybe, you know, I, I, you might call it cut someone off. I just needed to be there quick, and they should understand that, you know, so have a little grace for me, right? I hope you know I'm kidding. I'm not serious, but this is, this is sometimes how we think. We're, we're, we're walking around with logs in our eyes, pointing out the specks in other people's eyes. Take a look at yourself before you go to the other person. Because when you do, you'll see, oh, I'm imperfect too. Oh, I'm in need of God's grace too. I'm in need of his mercy every day. And then you're going to approach that person so much better because you're going to do it in a spirit of gentleness and humility. It's when we don't start with ourselves and we just get fired up about what the other person's doing. We don't look at ourselves. We go to the other person and we're, we come across as a jerk because that's what you are when you don't look at yourself because you're gonna, you, when you understand your brokenness, which this is part of the gospel, we, we don't need saved just because. We need saved because we need saved. And when you realize that, you're gonna, you're gonna realize that everyone is just like you in need of a savior, imperfect. We need grace, mercy, gentleness, humility when we, when we approach someone about this. You know, and these sins, they're not, they're not like, they, they can be big things. Like if someone murders someone, uh, if someone is addicted to drugs, if, stuff like that. But, but oftentimes I think it's, hey, this, you know, you, this person's a gossip, they just, they get together and they do the thing where you're at Bible study and you, you know, I just want to pray for this person who's going through this, 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 right? That, that person just wants to gossip and tell you about other people. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's, it's someone's anger. I have a short fuse. And oftentimes my wife lovingly reminds me of that when I hold my four-year-old daughter to standard up here when she's only four, Right? Like, I need to be called out on that stuff. That's everyday stuff, and we all have things like that in our lives. And, and, and this, is, this, is, this is, I think, why this is hard, why, why it's hard to gently and humbly go to someone, why it's hard to even approach someone, is because what the world says is, hey, you do you, and I'll do me. You, you go do what you want to do, and I'll do what I want to do, just as long as you don't bother me. And we're good. We're, we, won't, we won't talk about it anymore. But see, one of the things I tell people often, because I have to, that, it's still hard, every single conversation where I have to confront someone, I tell them this, I love you enough to be honest with you. Because when you think about it, the easier thing for me to do is just to ignore it. I don't want to talk to that person because it's going to be awkward. They may not like me. They may not want to talk to me anymore. I may deliver it in the wrong way. But I remind them, I love you enough 
to be honest with you. And I tell them, I want you to love me enough to be honest with me. It goes two ways. It's a two-way street here. It's not just us going out and, and talking with people about the ways that they can be better. And the truth is, is that we can't control how other people will respond, even when we do it in the most perfect way that we could possibly do it, by our ability. But we can choose to respond when someone comes to us, be open, be humble enough to admit, oh, I don't have it all together. You know, I, I invite feedback. I want feedback. I want people to be honest with me because I don't want to ha- live in this American Idol syndrome culture that's like, you know, your parents tell you you're good at everything and you, you're the best person in the world and then you go on national TV and embarrass yourself, right? That's American Idol. That's, that's why I only watch the first five episodes or whatever while they're... We need to love each other enough to be honest with each other. And the other thing is we need to tell people why, we need to tell people why. I'm not doing this from a place of, of condemnation or judgment. But I believe that, that God, I see this in you, and I believe that, that God wants better for your life. I believe that God wants better for my life. And so I want you to grow in your relationship with Jesus just like I want to grow in, in my relationship with Jesus. And when you do this, again, it's never going to be easy but it'll go much better than, than if you don't. Take, in, take a look at yourself. Explain to the person that you love them enough to be honest with them. And, and, and I'll be honest with you. The times in my life where people have had the courage to step in and say, hey, Joel, I, uh, this is awkward. This is weird. But I see this in you. And I just, I just want to see what's going on. You know, you can explain it to me maybe. And we talk about it. And sometimes I need, I need it. I need a kick in the butt. We all do. We, we all need people who are going to hold us accountable. You know, Proverbs says, iron sharpens iron. That's Christians. We should be sharpening each other through accountability, but always through humility and gentleness. This is the next thing that we see. When we trust in Christ, this transformation is financial. True believers give to the needs of the local church. Now, we just did a series on money. Okay, uh, Paul talks about it next. That's what he, he talks about with the Galatian church, so we're going to talk about it. And, and some of you might say, well, you know, we talk about this all the time. I get the point already, but I want to lovingly challenge you. Do you really get the point? Do you really get the point of what generosity is? And let me explain. This is what Paul says. He says, those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Now, this isn't self-seeking because I'm teaching. <laughs> I'm not saying give you all my money. I drive a 2004 Hyundai Elantra that's a piece of garbage, okay? So I'm not going to go buy a Porsche or something like that. That's not the point. The point with generosity is that it's more about you than it is about other people. And that's what we don't get as a society. We, we don't understand the role of generosity as God would have it done. It's not, it's not self-seeking, but, but in, a, in a sense it is. In a sense, giving is one of the most selfish things you can do. Okay, let me, let me break that down a little bit because that is kind of confusing. This is, this is the words of Jesus in Acts it's more blessed to give 
than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. You know, I'll admit, for myself, for a long time, I didn't believe this. I would tell you I did, but, I, but my actions didn't prove that I believed that it was more of a blessing to give than to receive. I'm extremely materialistic. Don't look at my shoes because they're probably new every time you see me, okay? It, it's, it's hard in the society that we live in that, that's hoard, 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 spend, 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 to believe that this is actually true, that it's more of a blessing to give than to receive. It's hard to believe this in the world that we live in. But I've talked to so many people, so many people who have stepped out in faith and have given sacrificially, and every single one of them hasn't regretted it. Isn't that interesting? Every single person, when you're too generous, are you like, ah, I wish I wasn't that generous? We're never like that. We never wish we wouldn't have been as generous. We wish, we wish we could be more generous. And some people say, oh, if I had a million dollars, you know, I would give half of it to charity. If you're not a generous person now, you wouldn't do that then. Because generosity is from the heart. Generosity is, is a pattern. You know, Jesus, in, in the gospel, he, he's talking to his disciples and he says, this rich man gives 10% of all he owns. It's an incredible amount of money. And then this poor widow gives two coins. And Jesus asked the disciples, who gave more? Sacrificially, or monetarily, the rich man gave more, right? He gave, he gave a thousand times more than this poor woman did. But who really gave more? She did. She gave out of her poverty. He gave out of his abundance. You see, generosity is a hard issue. It's more blessed to give than to receive, and, and I promise you this, you cannot outgive God. You can try. You can try to outgive God, but you, you won't be able to do it, because He will provide for you, He will sustain you, He will bless you in ways that you could never even imagine. This is what Paul said. He said, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. You know, I like this idea of this harvest because it's, it's a seed. One little seed you plant in the ground produces an exponential amount of seeds. One seed. But if you don't plant that seed, you're not going to get anything. If you never plant the seed, you're not gonna, it's not going to be exponential because that's what you harvested. You harvested nothing. And so you're going to reap nothing. And in this specific context, you know, Paul is saying, like, if, if you go to a certain church, if you belong to a certain church, you should believe in the mission enough to give to that church financially. The amount, the percentage, that's what God, that's, that's what God will work out in your own life. Because sometimes in certain seasons you can give more, sometimes you can give less. But if we believe in the mission of Alpine Church, I mean, 20 years of ministry of, of hundreds and thousands of people coming to Jesus, I hope, if you're an Alpiner, that that makes you excited, that you want to join in financially to help us continue to do that, to continue to expand along the Wasatch Front, a place that so desperately needs the gospel. 
Now, I always say this, this is what I'm not saying. I'm not saying if you give a dollar, you'll get a hundred. If you give 10, uh, you know, you'll get that parking spot at work. If you, if, you, uh, if you give your entire savings account, you'll be healed from that disease. That's not biblical. And that's not what I'm saying. What God promises us is that we will be blessed. How he blesses us, we don't know. He may do that. He may give you $100 if you put in $1. He may do that. But he may do something even better that you don't even realize. We can trust this, that God will bless us in ways that we need to be blessed that's beyond our imagination. I promise you that. Maybe it's more of his peace in this chaotic world. You know, maybe, maybe it's more awareness of his presence when you've been struggling to see where he is. I don't know. But I encourage you, find out, step out in faith and let God be the king and the Lord over your, your money, just like he should be everything else in your life. The last thing is this. This transformation, it, it really affects everything because this is kind of the, the way Paul ends this is he paints this picture of us becoming new creations who are the new people of God. And he kind of ends his letter in a weird way. In verse 11, he says this. He says, notice what large letters I use as I write these closing words in my own handwriting. So that to make maybe this, to help make this make a little more sense, um, a lot of times when Paul was writing these letters, he, he was speaking it and he had a scribe who was writing it for him. Sometimes he was in prison. Sometimes he wasn't able to write. Sometimes he just you know, was, was talking it out and someone would write it down for him. But this, what he's about to say is so important. It's so vital that he lets people know, I am using large letters and I'm writing it in my own handwriting. So that's, that's him saying, this is really, really, really important what I'm about to say. You know, it's like uh, when, I get a, when I get a text from my wife you know, come home, please, and it's just all lowercase, right? Come home, please. It's like, oh, okay, I need to come home. And then I get a text that's all caps. Come home, please. Like, those are two very different things, right? One, I'm in trouble. <laughs> no, no, uh, no period, no anything, just all caps. This is what Paul's doing. This is what's so important. Those who are trying to force you to be circumcised want to look good to others. They don't want to be persecuted for teaching that the cross of Christ alone can save. And even those who advocate circumcision don't keep the whole law themselves. They only want you to be circumcised so they can boast about it and claim you as their disciples. So again, Paul is, is really sticking it to the Judaizers, these people who, who are sitting on the fence between Judaism and Christianity. They're saying, yes, Jesus, the cross, the resurrection, but we still have to keep the traditions. We still have to be circumcised. We still have to follow all these food laws, right? That, this is the whole thing that Paul has been deconstructing for five chapters before this, but he's going to end with it because it's so important. 
You see, these, these Judaizers, they, they were trying to look good to others. They were trying to control others. They were trying to show everyone, yeah, these are my people, right? Like, what if I told you, in order to, to really be saved, you had to go out and you had to get an Alpine tattoo on your arm with my face below it, right? Some of you may do it. No, please don't do that. But it's just a sign that, that you're saved my way. What I'm telling you, it's like a cult. And Paul is saying that this is not the way. They only want to do it so that they can boast and claim that, that they're their disciples. They're building up their name. And isn't this the, what the world tells us to do? Build your name. Build your brand. Make sure you're known. Make sure you leave. You know, make sure people know who you are. We work hard, we strive for greatness because we want people to think we're great. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, and this is true for me, like I have to battle against this all the time. It's not about me. It's not about me because I'll be gone. It, you know, in the, in the grand scheme of everything in eternity, I am a blip. And for followers of Jesus, this transformation is seen in not boasting in our own accolades, in our own things that we do, but in what Christ has done. And this is probably, this is my favorite verse in Galatians and also in the entire Bible. Write this down, highlight this. As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified and the world's interest in me has also died. That's it. If you're a Christian, this is one of our main goals. No, we, we don't boast in ourselves, in what we've done, and what we've led, and what we can do, in our abilities. We boast in the cross of Christ. And I love this imagery that he uses because Christ died. He was crucified on the cross for our sin and our shame that we could not pay for. But metaphorically, Christ also died to free us from the interests and the burdens that this world puts on us. Isn't that beautiful? We, we don't have to worry the same way that other people Worry in the world. If you're a follower of Jesus, you, you have a different outlook. You have a different perspective. We don't boast in ourselves who, who we constantly make mistakes. We constantly mess up. We boast in Christ who is perfect. And through that, our interest to the world has died. You know, the world says we need to Prioritize our status, our security, our, you know, you need to be perfect, you need to be rich, you need to be successful, you need to be famous. And this really flips all of those on its head, on their heads. You see, because our status, our status isn't in who the world says we are. So many of us make it that way. But it's in who Christ says we are, if you're a follower of Jesus. Security isn't how much uh, effort we, we put into making us and our family safe. 
ultimate security is found in Christ. Perfection will never be attained. It will only lead to burdens. It will only lead to burnout. But we trust in the one who was perfect. Wealth isn't about how much money you have. It's not. It's really not. You're going to leave your money here. It's not going to go with you. So you can build up all your wealth, all the wealth you want, all the possessions you want. And you're taken at a time that you can't control. And it all stays here. True wealth is found in the cross of Christ. And fame. Fame is temporary. It is. Our our personal fame is temporary. But lifting the name of Jesus high, making him famous, is eternal. This is what it means to be a new creation. We're going to end with this verse. It doesn't matter whether we have been circumcised or not. And you can insert anything in there in regards to salvation. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. May God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by this principle. They are the new people of God. Christian, my prayer for you is that you would recognize that you're transformed, that you're a new creation. You're not perfect and you never will be. But you're the new creation called by God to shine your light in the world. And that means your life is going to look different than what everyone else's life looks like. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you haven't accepted that free gift of grace through faith, the invitation is open. Christ died for you. Christ died to set you free from everything that you're going to have to go through in the world. Not that it's going to be easy, not that you're going to have a perfect life, but Christ made it so that you can be in eternal relationship with God, worshiping Him. Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for the truths that we looked at today. Lord, we do know that when we trust in you, God, our lives are going to be different. How can't they be? Because God, everything that you've done for us, everything that you've given us, you continue to bless us with, God. It's all a gift from you, God. You say in your word that every good and perfect thing comes from you. God, so I pray for our relationships. I pray that we would be people known for being peacemakers in the world, shining our light to our neighbors, loving people, serving people. God, and and when we have issues in our lives, that we would be humble enough to invite feedback from other people who love us, God. And, And the same thing is true, God, when we deliver that to someone else, God, would you give us grace? Would you give us mercy? Would you give us humility and gentleness? God, may our relationships look and be so glorifying to you that we would operate in unity, following after you, God, being humble. Lord, and we pray for our finances, God, something that is is so tough for so many of us because it's so personal. But Jesus, you talked so much about money and the snare that it has on us. 
God, it's so easy to trust in our finances and our wealth and the security that that brings, God, but that's fleeting. That's temporary. God, help us to trust you with our money, God. Help us to be known as people, God, who would, who would further your kingdom through the ministries of Alpine Church, God, who wouldn't be afraid to, to step out in faith to help more and more people pursue you and come to know you. Lord, and just really for everything in our lives, God, that we would recognize, Lord, that you have made us a new creation. God, that we're to go out into the world and to shine our lights. Lord, praying and, and, and hoping, Lord, that you would impact more and more people through our influence, by your power, by your leading, Lord. And, and I pray that for every Christian in here, Lord. And I pray that if there's someone in here, God, who's been walking and trying to be a good person and to do good things and for the good to outweigh the bad, that person's in here, Lord. I, help, I pray that you would help them to see, God, that they're never going to be able to do it. They're never going to do enough. God, but you've already done enough. Lord, and you continue to, to amaze us by the way that you lead us, by the ways that you bless us in our lives, God. Even, even the trials that we go through, we know that there's a purpose in the pain. We know that you're going to do something, God, and we pray that we would see that this side of eternity. But even if we don't, Lord, help us to have the faith to, to believe and to know that you're doing something great in our lives. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.